You want fame? Well, fame costs. And right here is where you start paying for it. With this episode of Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artist. Welcome back to Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artists. I didn't know if you were just quoting it just because, you know. Life? It's, a, it's you know, life. And then I slowly but surely, I was like, wait, this is happening. I'm starting the show. This is happening. I cannot. Shout out to Debbie Allen. Yes, What yes, a queen, yes. what an icon. I forever stand. Anyway. Hey y'all. What's going on? I'm Mariah Williams. And I'm Elena Walton. And welcome back to Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artists, where we you. talk about plays written by black playwrights. This yeah. is a podcast for you, made by us for the culture. Hey. You. How have you been? Um, I have been okay. Um This week, uh, I've I've I will say this. Shout out to the spring equinox. Um, shout out to Sunshine um, coming through mm-hmm. in the clutch. Um, and really, um, I've been like sitting on my porch a lot and just soaking up sun. It's become like a daily thing for me. Just mm-hmm. there's like a perfect stream of sunshine that comes, shines down on my porch. And I just sit in it. And I'm finding that it, that extra dose of vitamin D um, kind of sets my day on a nice track just like a nice jumping off point so i've been finding my ways to turn it around and find something good shout out to daniel tiger for that quote i have a child how are you i am it has been a long long week i've been doing a couple of projects trying to get things in order um work trying to balance trying to find some way to make this passive income my main income trying not to be poor trying to keep Mm. my bills on top um trying to avoid looking at my bank account but we we are here all are avoiding that (laughs) we are here because by now that stimulus money is spent well I still haven't gotten my first one, even I though just, I did my taxes. I certainly um, cannot. So IRS, call me. Like, let's chat, sis. You, let's, we, let's you hash it over. Right, let's get it together. So, yeah, things are going pretty well, um, and we're here. Yeah, we are here. <laughs> so let's just jump right into the things. It's time for the morning announcements. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, friend, do you have anything for today? Um, 
uh, for me, it's very short and sweet. Um, I'm still avoiding the news like a plague. So um, the news I get is very filtered. But what I do have for you all is a swift and hearty, happy belated world theater day. Um, you know, theater is why we, a love of theater is why um, Moran and I find ourselves uh, recording this podcast, y'all, from week, uh, for y'all, um, mm-hmm. for, uh, from week to week to week. Um, so, uh, theater at one point or another gave both of our lives um purpose and and meaning and we know that that is not a feeling just um that is specific to us um you know we're here y'all and ah, we just gotta keep on keeping on but happy world theater day i am still holding out hope um even we're still paying the electric world, bill for the, for listen, the ghost light. We're still paying the electric bill for the ghost light. And um, while virtual theater is very wonderful and splendid, and that I do hope it sticks around simply because of the accessibility that it has mm-hmm. now given to theater to many communities who never would have been able to see some of these shows, um, such as like, a revival per you know a brief revival performance of the death of the last black man at the signature theater that was free 99 that is a yep. level of um art and performance that a lot of communities wouldn't have had access to had it not been for the pandemic so i do hope that that aspect sticks around but i also hope that we are soon able to return back to a staged theater setting uh sometimes right soon. Right. Let's. We can get all emotional like we did last episode. Oh no, I can. It, it, it right hit the there. one year mark. <laughs> no, but it just reminds me of 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 hope and joy overall, yeah. like hope and joy. And so I hope that it will come back so that mm-hmm. that joy can be instilled yet again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On to some other uh, brighter things. There is a little bit of hope because Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death has announced that it is coming to Broadway in the year 2022. Not this year because niggas don't play that. (laughs) It's coming next year where we, you know, make sure everybody's safe. So it is going to be produced by Mario Van Peebles and directed by none other than Kenny Leon, yes. which I am very, very extremely excited about. Kenny Leon's a wonderful director, and I hope that uh, more black directors will be seen. He is kind of like the black Broadway director, and I just, I hope that like his AD or whatever is soon to be the next. So yeah. keeping fingers crossed and hope alive. So the show actually was originally opened in 1971 at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, and it was nominated for seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical and Best Original Score. So I am looking for a Best Revival Tony nomination to come out of this performance. Um, Really excited. I think that it's a really smart move um, since theater is coming back and you're trying to get people into the theater. You know that that it is a success. You know that it is working, but always always playing devil's advocate i really really hope for some new musicals to come to broadway here we are by and for black people to come to broadway um revivals are great and i love them and it is a 
sure when, you know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. like, I am ready to see just fresh new work. Um, but I understand the game has to be played, especially because over the year, um, that for-profit business and you, those white men have lost a lot of money. And there we are. Even though they're still sitting pretty in their penthouse, they are not happy. Hmm. That's all I got. All right. Um, to me, as in my opinion, that's plenty. We can move right on to the reason we're here. Yes. Getting into the show. This week, we are talking about Homegirl, written by Yvette Heiliger. Now, this play was originally written, um, and was originally titled Autobiography of a Homegirl, but it's now entitled Homegirl. Um, it can be found in her collection, our playwrights collection, which is called A Piece of work is man full-length plays for leading women and we love to see it especially because we love to see it so a little bit about our playwright she has won plenty of awards including excellence in black theater august wilson playwriting award and best playwright nomination from the naacp's annual theater awards um Some of her recent work has been published in Reproductive Freedom Festival plays and was selected by Applause Books for later chapters. The best scenes and monologues for actors over 50. Love it. Um, So after many years in front of the footlights as a playwright, she returned to the stage in a one-woman show. So she's an actor, she's a playwright, she does it all. Um, She's also written articles for various online magazines and journals, including HowlRound, The Dramatist, Continuum, and Black Mask. She is a producing and artistic partner for Twin Biz. She is the co-recipient of the first National Black Theater Festival Emerging Producer Award. Come on. And she is also a proud member of the Dramatist Guild, Actors' Equity, SAG-AFTRA, SDC, and it was formerly an adjunct member of the Broadway League. Um, she is a... Com- she is a graduate of the Commercial Theater Institute. Uh, present and past membership includes League of Professional Theater Women, Harlem Arts Alliance, and the Theater Resource Unlimited. Um, credentials, more credentials, has a BA and an MA degree from New York University in acting and holds an MFA in creative writing, playwriting education from Hunter College. And... I'm not done, having been selected for the Lincoln Center Scholarship Hunter College Alternative Certification Preparation Program for Creative Arts Education. She has worked as a teaching artist in New York City public schools and most recently served as a drama teacher with the Chancellor Carmen Farinara Arts Matter Initiative. A citizen artist and volunteer leader, she is the founding member of Organizing for Action and was an Obama fellow, and currently lives in Harlem with her husband. Go off, sis. So this piece is wow. This piece is just wow. So it centers around a, a woman named Renetta, and Renetta is fair. Um, she's black. She's light skinned bat- black. And she's got, you know, quote unquote, she's got the good hair. Uh, she very much embraces who she, uh, the motherland in Africa. She very much embraces the fact that she's black. She's not faking the funk. Mm-hmm. So going through our players really quick, then we have Hope, who is her daughter. And Hope also plays Slave Boy at sometimes um, in these memories. There's a little bit of flashback. I love flashbacks and memories and, and talking over in plays, which happens in this. Then we have Little Hope, 
which is a doll the doll of hope so hope plays like this mother role to doll very childlike which i love we've got johnny may also known as Cristal. Johnny May is <laughs> Johnny May is Renata's best friend since junior high. She is a dark-skinned black woman, um, but she's also like changed her name to Cristal. She also is very much wearing the wig. She's embracing her like European um, standards of beauty, uh, and she also plays Julia, which is this fanciful character. And anybody that knows. Um, old TV shows. It is actually representative of Julia Baker, portrayed by Diane Carroll in the hit TV show Julia, which was like, I mean, Diane Carroll, hello. Right. Um, then we have Craig. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You okay. ain't got to lie. All right. <laughs> And Craig ain't shit. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the most terrible show. (laughs) Craig, child. Craig is Ronetta's baby daddy. That is Hope's father. He is a very handsome man. He is country. He from the hood. But he has worked his way up in corporate America. You know, so now he's like, I'm better than you hoes. Well, that's that's who he is and we're gonna get to that later and then we have his fiance because he just pops up with a fiance and her name is barbara and you guessed it by her name she's a white woman oh lord now i have to do this hello may i speak to barbara (laughs) barbara this is shirley I just want to let you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Even though, bitch, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find ter- a clip of that and add it in there. That's fine. Oh, in terms, I'm gonna send it. Send a clip to you so you can add it. That's in there. fine. For the sake of this episode, I felt that that re- that falls right in line with this play. It sure does. Onward. Sorry. Anyways, um, uh, Barbara also doubles as Barbie. Yes. Like the doll. Then we have a white man that plays multiple characters. He plays Willie. He plays the therapist. He plays Ken, the Ken Barbie doll. And he also plays Lynch, which is like a, um, it jumps back to 1712 and he plays like a slave owner, obviously. So the, the play happens in like 24 hours. This is a 24 hour span. Um, it takes place September 17th, 1983. And it also takes place in Harlem in the apartment, in Renetta's apartment, where she is living with her daughter, Hope, uh, struggling to make ends meet. She is, um, she has pretty much never gotten a child support payment from Craig. And finally she gets some money from Craig because I guess he, his job is working out. And so finally she is not having to recycle cans and bottles so that she can buy a carton of milk which is what she has to do right now now let me tell you about Renetta like she is was born pretty bougie right so even as she was raised she very much knew that she was a black woman but she was also put into etiquette classes she went to boarding school she loved being around school but also now she's living this life where she is trying to make ends meet she's struggling because she had this daughter very young and she refused to give up her child now craig when they was young and they was in college was like "Mm, an abortion is the way to go and she was like absolutely not i will do whatever it needs to happen because i am bringing life into this world this is somebody of my womb i 
every woman has a right to do what they want with their body and her and so her right and what she wanted was to keep this child and love her child so everything starts it starts with us opening the play and when we open the play, they're having a tea party, a very imaginative tea party, except for Renetta is kind of drinking a beer instead of drinking the imaginary tea. Right. And then she gets a, a call from her friend, Johnny uh, Johnny May, who is Cristal, which I'm going to say Cristal. I too pronounce call- it that way as I read the script. So, yes. Like the alcohol. Listen. That's what I thought. She I, she named herself after alcohol. Right, pretty much. Anyways... They get a call from Cristal. Cristal says, girl, turn on the television. Girl, turn on the TV. Shit just happened. Shit is going down. And it turns out Vanessa Williams just won Miss America. So Vanessa Williams, as most everybody knows, is the first black woman to win the Miss America title. She is a fairer-skinned black woman, and it is exciting. It is an exciting time. It is this time that is showing change. So Johnny May comes down, I mean, excuse me, Cristal comes down to hang out with her friend and talk about it, and there's this fight that happens and an argument that happens. So they send Hope to the other room where they argue that Vanessa Williams wouldn't have won this if she wasn't fair-skinned. She has that a proximity to whiteness that in, that ensures that she is going to win this title, that she is still passable, that she is still seen as okay. Yeah, she's light, she's black, but she's light enough. And um, the two friends really get into it about this because it's the same colorism issue. And it, at the time, it's the first black woman. And how, how amazing it would have been if the first black woman is is just dark skin and actually shows her coarse hair Vanessa Williams of course has her press and curl you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. she's got the fluff um the press fluff just in line with everyone else in that competition so Renetta has this very hard identity problem and she wants to also make sure that hope doesn't grow up the same way and the big thing is that hope wants a Barbie doll hope wants a Barbie doll she wants to take care of it and Hope doesn't want just any Barbie doll. She wants the white Barbie doll because that is the true Barbie doll. And Renetta is like, no, they're all right. And you are a Barbie doll. She's like, but not, it's not the true Barbie doll. Now that brought me, brought back so many memories. Like Elena, did you have Barbie dolls growing up? I did indeed. I had quite a few. Yeah. Right. And I was only allowed to have black Barbie dolls. I don't remember ever having a desire to have a uh a, a black I mean um ever having a desire to have a white Barbie doll. I had a couple, but I do distinctly remember that my the reason that I got them was because like there was something specific about them where there just weren't any more of the black ones left. Like Maybe it was the outfit she had on, whatever career she was prepared for. Um, My mom was very strict with the toys that I got. Like, I, for a while, I didn't even know that White Barbie doll existed. Mm. And then, uh, girl... I'm a I'm a poster for you guys on the page, but y'all remember the ballerina Barbie bed sheets? Oh, honey? listen, 
And they had a black Barbie doll on there. And then I remember I went to spend the night at one of my friends' house and they had the ballerina Barbie bed sheets with the white Barbie doll on there. And I was like, shooketh. I did not know it existed. I'm weak. (laughs) I did not know that it existed. Y'all, and I had, Elena, I'm a little bit younger than you, so that bed spread may have not been out. I'm not sure. No. Girl, that bed sheet was was here long before you. Are you kidding me? I was shook if when I realized that that Barbie bed sheet came in white because that is just what I knew. That is what I came up with. But Barbie, she be having occupations and shit. But what I do remember Barbie fucked up on and had my mama all the way fucked up is when they came out with pregnant Barbie. Oh, yeah. They had my mama fucked up. Yeah. My mother because was not Barbie... buying that for me as, as as I don't even remember when I saw it. I was just like, "This would be cool, but who's about to go and ask that woman that? Not me. I'm not asking her for this." They had uh... my mama bent all out of shape. They were had you her bold enough? To, I was about to say, were you bold enough to actually ask for it? Bitch, I picked it up. Not that you picked it. Oh, you you laid hands on it and attempted to put it in the shopping cart. It, I it... simply cannot. And got told all the way out. So, Gumption I never had. But the thing about Barbie and the thing about Miss America is that they are the standards of beauty. Right. They are supposed to be the standards of what it is to be a lady. What it is to be happy and fun and joyful and all these womanly things. But that representation most of the time is Miss America standard very white especially at the time before Vanessa Williams even after Vanessa Williams up until very recently are we seeing more pageant queens of color winning and then Barbie is white Ken is white they are blonde they have blue eyes they are the they are itty bitty skinny you know what I'm saying so these are standards that Renetta was trying to make sure that Hope did not see or did not try to compare herself to and for good reason which we'll find out so Renetta is hoping for her her baby daddy has not seen her child who is nine years old has not seen his baby since she was two and he decided he was gonna up and leave but he's supposed to come by this Sunday he's supposed to come by finally because he finally decided he wants to pay some child support he decided he want to come by he want to take his baby out he keeps calling so he comes by and not only does he come by, but he got the absolute gall to walk in with Barbara. And not just Barbara, the white woman. Not just Barbara, the girlfriend. Mm. Barbara, the fiance. Now, this is a shock to Renetta because... What is happening? First of all, you haven't seen your child since you were two. So you didn't think to tell me that you were bringing this woman over. And you also didn't think that maybe you should hang out with your child and get to know her before you introduce another woman in her life. And then on top of that, you didn't think about the fact that you were bringing a white woman to my child and how we should work together to prepare her for that, even if, big if, you are in love with this white woman. So Barbara tries to be polite, but Renetta not having that shit. It's a mess. It's a mess because I just, I don't have no kids. I'm also don't know anybody that is trying to co-parent. I don't personally know anybody that is trying to co-parent without the biological father of the child in there, in that, a, a force in that 
child's life, you know, a very big presence. So bringing somebody else, I still feel like that would be some type of process. Girl, now we're going to get you into and your, it. You and your man are together and y'all live, a, y'all live happily ever after, but put yourself in this situation for, for a second, like try to put your mind in Renetta's situation. How mm-hmm. would that feel for you if i know that's a stretch because it is not your reality but no um we i don't some people might try to add like they never had this conversation but we've definitely um had the discussion um about what would happen if we decided to no longer um engage with each other romantically and you know just strictly co-parent and raise our child and you know, what I hope, what we said and what I hope that we would stick to and not let, you know, petty bullshit get in the way is that simply that it would be very difficult to date us simply because of the respect that we have for each other. And Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of like, well, I'm never gonna love or care about anybody more than I love and care about you. It's just that simply because we have this child together, there is a, a a base level like standard of respect and affinity that we are always gonna have for each other, um, right? Because it's like you can't anybody who says that they are able to give the care and emotional stability that a child needs um, w- without somewhat giving a shit about the other person they made that child with is full of shit. You can be mad at that person. You can be angry with that person. That person may piss you off and whatever else. And believe me, y'all, he does. That's uh, sometimes. <laughs> um, we, you know, we make each other mad. But like at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm going to talk shit and like get upset about, you know, whatever the fuck, but you don't like no like right you're not gonna talk because at the end of the day that's still my unless you know the other person does something extremely egregious um yeah and it just this shows whole, that craig has absolutely no respect definitely, for her yeah this is definitely not the way to do it um first of all i got so many problems with craig <laughs> first of all to you didn't even talk to her before um, to let her know that you were dating anyone else, let alone back up. You didn't even call to confirm to that you were coming to pick There's up that. the child. There's that, but I just feel like something like that. Um, yeah, a lot of conversations would need to be had before you're introducing um, someone else into the picture because it's you. Uh, the child, on some level, is gonna hold out some kind of hope that their parents are going to try to figure it out and get back together. So when you're introducing someone new into that situation, not only are you, like, trying to force or encourage this bond between your child and this stranger just because, like, not even concerned with necessarily whether your child likes them or not, or how your child, how their personalities mesh. You've decided that this person is going to be a permanent fixture, you know, for at least for the foreseeable future. So you're making mm-hmm. um, a child, a per- like a being whose, you know, brain isn't even completely developed to, you know, digest that. And you're also stripping away in that moment any hope 
or, you know, anything that, um, that child's heart's desire is going to like come into fruition, that their little fantasy and their dream is going to come true. So I think that people don't treat situations like that, um, with the, um, like the amount of like weight and responsibility that it really holds. And this is also why I said that people without kids shouldn't date people with kids. Stop that da- people with no kids. Stop dating people with kids. <sighs> I'm just saying. I don't think you can say that. I think that there needs to be a a, a a a conversation, and it needs to be a real one. You know what I'm saying? Like you, there needs there also needs to be boundaries. And you, as the person that does not have kids, you have to have a reality check with yourself that right. Not, it's not just you. You know what I'm saying? And I hate to be capping for Barbara because she ain't shit. But for a smidgen of a second, I feel like she was trying, but she. But she didn't know that Craig was being ain't shit. Like, she didn't know that Craig didn't tell her. But what she was, she was like, okay, she's vegetarian. I'm going to do everything to get it right. Because she was trying to be respectful. However, Craig set her up for the okie doke on top of the fact that she's a white woman. If she was any woman that walked in and you were actually trying, okay, you're attempting to give my child, you know, a vegetarian meal. You brought it up so that I could prove it. But... Craig, you set you set everybody up for the okie doke because, Craig, you are an immature man. Because, once again, here we are. We have a man that has coddled his entire life and is told that he is right his entire life, is never told to take responsibility for himself. And so he's wondering why, why you females is mad at me. Why y'all trying to be down on a brother? I mean, I understand. Let me, let me just, because I want to, because... I feel like Craig is a whole nother separate issue. I just want to return to this, like, real quick. Here's why I say that people, because I know that some people are like, what? People with no kids shouldn't date people with kids. Yeah. So let me explain what I'm saying by that. Yes, please. (laughs) Here's why I say this. Everything you said, right. Absolutely. All things that should be happening. But here's the thing. They don't. They don't. And there are just certain things in involved. Like, okay, for example, Craig had all of this to say. He was talking cash shit. And we're going to get into some of those things um, at some point. He was talking cash shit. Yes, he was. But at the oh, end wow. of the day, when Hope came out of that bedroom from her nap, um, he quickly got his ass in gear and things like like shifted and i and you know barbara was kind of just left with like you know trying to be you know graciously bow out and everything else here's the thing the reason why because barbara said a bunch of shit and the reason why she felt emboldened to open her mouth and come at this black woman in this way come at any woman in this way because this is not something that this the reason why the girlfriends and the boyfriends um feel so emboldened to come at the bm or bd in this manner is because of the shit that has been said to them um, by behind their partner doors. behind closed doors and what and the reason and I feel like those kind of because you know people are human so you're gonna vent and you're gonna pillow talk with the person that you're with but at the same time you need to understand that what is that information that is shared with you is strictly between you and your partner and that does not give you the green light to step to or address 
you know, the mother or father of their child when that is a relationship that has nothing to do with you. Your only role in that relationship is to be um, a romantic partner to the person that you're with. If you, if it is a situation such as this, where the child has two healthy, able-bodied parents who are figuring it out, shut up. This is nothing right. to do with you. And more often than not, the girlfriends and the boyfriends don't know how to do that. They don't understand boundaries. They don't understand how to stay in their lane. To me, it's very, this conversation is very akin to conversations about like brothers and sisters and like in-laws and everything else where it's just like, I know I've said it on I've said it on this show before. Like I don't get it. I don't get the whole well. That's my sister, so or that's my brother, so explanation as to how like bullshitty behavior and occurrences between siblings, like how it's explained away with that with that phrasing. But I feel like in this discussion, I'm starting to get it because it's just like I don't give a shit what I say to you about him or whatever else or how he pisses me off or everything that he does like I should be able to unload and vent to you um without you taking it as the green light to say a bunch of disrespectful shit because even if all of what you're saying is true and factual because I'm gonna and you forgot to ask me how I feel about this play I'm gonna say this real quick I don't feel bad for anyone in this play but hope and little hope I don't give a shit about anybody else except the two of them absolutely every adult in this play needs to get their shit together like all of y'all are fucking terrible. And I'm like mm-hmm. trying to say like be cute about this because the fact that the title of this play is autobiography of a homegirl, it lets me know that on title, some yeah. level that the playwright um is very much tapping into things that she has struggled with and you know, on some level this is her story right so i'm trying to keep it cute because who am i to come at you for your experiences and you know point the point of judgmental finger at uses but every one of these adults needs to get their shit together every last one of them sorry wanted to pull over and say that real quick no i think you're good um it's like But yeah, I just feel like I don't give a shit what the other person says or their thoughts or their feelings or whatever else because what they are also not saying to you that is that at the end of the day, they're also always going to... Like, don't set yourself up to be like, choose who's more important to you because if that person, if the person you're dating has any bit of a lick of sense on some level... The person they had, they created that whole life with, on some level, is always going to outrank you, girl. They're always going to take your... By way of their child, they're going to outrank you. They're always going to take their call um, because mm-hmm. something on the other end of that call has to do with the child. They're with all, a child. They're with, yes. always going to drop their plans with you at the drop of the head. And, and before y'all start popping off at the mouth, of course we know that there are some... 
men and women who abuse that status within their relationship and, you know, can be manipulative and everything else. And those are specific cases. But we're talking about in a situation, I'm talking specifically about in a situation where you have two people who have like managed to form like a friendship and a respectful relationship with each other by way of having to co-parent that child like you're gonna have to understand sis that it's all one big happy family like in no way um understanding that you know the person you're with has to make room for both but i really feel like that's not always on the that burden doesn't 100 percent rest with the boyfriend or the girlfriend it also rests Mm -hmm. with the person as a child as well they have to be ready to put up those boundaries like and those boundaries have to be respected yeah like from yeah like from the gate but oh that's what i was saying before i pulled over and talked about Mm -hmm. um how i thought everybody in this play was garbage um the fact that, like, keep in mind that when you are coming at the, you know, BD or BM in the situation, the child doesn't under, like, they don't give a shit about anything that you're saying. All they know is that you're talking shit about their mama and every, or their daddy and belittling them and seeing them as a less than. And children are very literal. But you talking shit about this woman with an earshot of her child and all the ways that you feel that she's not shit, the child is going to translate that and put them on, put that on themselves and say that, you know, my mama or daddy ain't shit. Therefore I ain't shit either. So you see, it's a lot involved. People without kids shouldn't date people with kids. They just shouldn't. They just should not because it, I feel like it all comes down to, like you know, side note: our playwright said in the author's note that we're not allowed to quote this script without her getting some of her coin. And y'all know we broke over here. We talk about being broke every week, so we aren't going to be able to quote any lines from the script this week. But there, um, there she said she said it very specifically. She said it very clearly, like any means of reproduction by in any medium i want my money on time and so does my agent um fair enough so there's this conversation um between renetta and, and barbara well not even a conversation a confrontation um they talked about a lot of things but what was very clear is that barbara was trying to be like well i'm his fiance and oh craig let's leave Let's leave this poor forsaken ghetto and let's go. We don't have to deal with this and we don't have to deal with her. You trying to keep a brother down? Your let's siblings? Just, let's just, let's just leave. And she kept trying to like elevate herself, right? And it's and that's a natural thing. We all want to feel like on some level that we are the most important thing in the life of this person that we're dating, potentially right. going to marry. Not to say, like, you know, there should be, like, an altar erected in our image, but we want to know that we hold a very specific level of importance in the life of the person that we are seeing. I'm here to tell y'all right now, you're never going to get, you're never going to feel comfy, comfy, cozy in that place if you're dating somebody with kids. Because if the person who has a child is doing it it right, that child is always going to come first. Always. Right. 
Always. Right. I don't care how much time. And, and if they don't to that person, you, you should, should be, be running that in the other direction. You right. should be concerned because eventually if the relationship, you know, takes its natural progression, if you're someone who, you know, is interested in having children and being a parent, that's a chapter in a life that you want to write. How do you mm-hmm. think he's going to treat your child, sis? What do you think he's going to do for you? If he doesn't have, like, <sighs> yo, Making a child with someone is one of the most sacred, um, personal, it's a big deal. It's like to create another human being with someone. And it's just like for someone to disrespect or discredit the person they have a child with and then you thinking that's a person that you want to date. Right. Like, mm. yeah, y'all aren't gonna get that 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 squishy, warm place of importance within the relationship. You're not getting that. Not if the person who has a child is doing it right, and you like can either sit in that, or you need to find someone else who is also childless who can devote all of their time, attention, and energy only to you and not divide it between anybody else. Be real with yourself. And that's right. why I say, like, all of this shit could have been avoided. Barbara don't have no business. She was dating this black man because it was cute and fun. And, you know, this is the 80s, y'all. Like, we're talking about within the context of the 80s. So, like... You know, very much at the height of white women um, and white men dating a black person or any person of color because, you know, it was hot and spicy and it's going to really, you know, Mm -hmm. start the flames of debate going at the dinner table. I feel like I've been going on for a very long time. I'm sorry. No, but you're all making sense. You're making sense. Like, she doesn't give a shit about this man, this little girl. She don't give a shit about none of it she's not trying she is not encouraging she even said like i don't not necessarily that he shouldn't be there she was just like i shouldn't be here right and but why didn't you have that realization before you got there and it was it's 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 because craig it's because craig didn't tell let her know the situation she was walking into could she have handled it better sure but craig is a liar right craig is craig craig ain't shit and there's insert you ain't got to lie craig you ain't got to lie now here's something that did strike me while and y'all know i'm i've never been one to cap um or the cape um for these ancient ass niggas but Uh here's a moment within the conversations that were had between him and renetta that kind of had me going like Ooh, he low key got a point though. That made which me, one? Uh, now, which one are you talking here's about? Here's the thing, and you he already made a know. Lot of points. You already know. You probably already know <laughs> where I'm getting at. What I'm getting at, and that's why you looking like that. This man said, as fucked up as his values and viewpoints and everything else are, one thing I will say about Craig is that he's not a liar. He's not a liar. He said to you, girl, when you got pregnant, he said to you, look, I don't want to be a parent. Not at this point in my life. I don't want to be a parent at all. If you want to move forward with having this baby, 
That is your choice. <clears throat> you are choosing to be a mother. And he even said, he was like, you had a choice. Where was my choice? Where was my choice? I told you I did not want this, that I did not want to do this. Not saying I didn't want to do this with you. I was saying at the time when you got pregnant, I did not want to be a parent. But I didn't get a choice in the matter. All of that decision-making rests with you. And while like my inner feminist is like screaming at the top of her lungs, I feel like there is a point that was made. Having a yes. child having a child is not a decision to make lightly. It is not um a decision that you can undo. These churn don't come with no receipts, instruction manuals. There's no complaint department that you can call. Once they are here, honey, they are here forever and they aren't going anywhere and if you and it's very easy to get very self-righteous and be like I'll give it all up for my baby I'll give it all up for my baby well will you sis because in essence that's what you chose to do and now you're complaining and acting like Craig did something to you or deceived you in some way or you know set you up for some kind of okie doke no girl he told you from the very beginning he didn't want to be a parent the fact that he stuck around for those first two years is that's what shocked me yeah that's what was surprising to me he let you know from the very beginning that you were in this alone and you even admitted in this same conversation that the reason that you move forward with having hope is because you thought, and I and I honestly believe is plays a big role in the reason you named her Hope, is that you thought that she was going to be this missing piece to the puzzle that would finite you Force them together. and Craig together. And she's mm-hmm. not the only woman who has done this. And that's why I feel like women like Renetta make it that much harder for you know, baby mamas who are out here real deal trying to like parent and make it with their children and um, are um, are unfortunately chose wrong and saddled themselves with um, a baby daddy who ain't shit. Like, don't get me wrong. There are a lot. I am a child of one of them. There are plenty of baby daddies who... Um, ain't shit and that you know what we're the the circumstances of this play is not specific to them but for but in this situation it's like sis he let you know from the moment the plus sign appeared on the stick what your circumstances were going to be and his lack of interest in being a parent he offered to support you um in whatever decision you wanted whether that was you know it, it Because he didn't just say, like, let's go have an abortion. He also even said, like, I'm willing to support you through adoption. I'm willing to support you through any decision that does not involve me parenting. Right. Now, fair enough, your body, your choice, sis. But you also, when you make a choice, you also have to live with the consequences of said choices. You chose to be a parent. You said this is what you wanted. And nobody really understands that responsibility until you're in the thick of it. You know, like, it's, oh, I'm going to 
keep them alive, but it's so much more. It's teaching. It's it, what Renetta is in. Like it's teaching those morals. It's teaching those values. It's not just making sure that they're fed. It's it. In the big part, is making sure that they're fed as well as you. I have no kids, and I am having a struggle keeping myself fed. Like and making sure I live by certain moral standards and values. Right, and making sure that and I'm straight and holding myself accountable. Right, exactly, exactly. And so, it's just it's. Renetta really. She set herself up for the okie doke, but I really think that it, it shows when she has that moment of her and Craig alone, and they kiss, and she finally gets her to kiss, and then she tries to get she tries to get him to fuck her. And can we go into a little bit? Can you do you mind just going into a little bit more detail and giving the children a little more context to the arrival? Sorry, so y'all, we're jumping around a lot because I mean this is. We're jumping around because this is a story that is so true to life. It has been played out time and time again. You know what I'm I saying? Have so it so is so many feelings about this play. Barely First of all, before any he, of them before positive. he popped up, as soon as he, as soon as he popped up, she was like, "Oh shit, I ain't take my birth control for two days. Let me pop these real quick because it's fucking time over here, right?" So, Craig, you know, his Renetta with the nickname and shit. While when Barbara steps out. And then I don't know what Renetta's thing is with like enjoying the abuse from Craig. He, she, he, I mean, he tells her like, oh, well, you know, is you want a pill? That's probably why I got pregnant the first time. White women like that kinky shit. Mm, your, your sex was kind of vanilla. You know what I'm saying? None of these are straight quotes because suing uh right, he's like your sex Cease is kind of a vanilla but you know white girls with shit you know the fucking is just better up over here the grass is greener on the other side over here renetta is like challenge accepted my nigga like come on and like what what is it that you want you want to fuck me in the ass let's do it like wait not not fuck me in the ass let's do it lord jesus she's I hope, I, gonna, of, I, I hope none of my family members listen to this fucking show. <laughs> Make up like, Elena, your friend has a filthy mouth. But I mean, that's what she, that's more or less what she says. She's like, you want to, you want, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. You want this for me? And then he is like, he then says like the standard ain't shit nigga shit about caping for white women but she's very submissive she knows her place it i am man and she is woman and on top of that i don't really have to provide for like that because she you know came from daddy's money so she got money so actually everything is straight over here and uh keeps hitting renetta with that nickname you know making a making the hair on the back of her neck stand up so renetta's like all right let's let's get it popping and so they kiss a couple times. Renetta is really liking that shit. She thinks that it's gonna happen. Like this they finna do the whoop de whoop. Such a terrible. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He ain't shit. He ain't shit, and she ain't shit for trying to for trying to think that oh he's gonna show up. Yes, he may be fine because clearly this man has to have like a a arm length long dick and just be fine as hell. I'm just gonna say this. There were a lot of terrible moments in this play. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of moments for me within this play where I was just like, I really just wanted to like maybe shoot an email to the playwright and be like, sis, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? But of all of those moments, 
this one stood out the most. Not just... But also, it it stood out, yes, but it's all things that I've heard before. It's all things that you hear on the internet. If you open up Twitter right now, it's things that you hear when black men are caping for white women. Instead of, like... If it's your preference, if it is whatever, if that's what you want, free country, okay. But for you to, in the process, have to tear down a black woman, not okay. Not okay. Not right. For you to say, well, the grass is green on the other side because she's white, not okay. If you fell in love with her because of X, Y, and Z, fine. Whatever. Do your thing whatever but the fact that you're like actually she's uh heads and shoulders above black women because uh hotepery 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 i mean and we all know we all know know, and we all know where that comes from slavery and 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 it goes right down in the lynch when it comes in and talks about it because we all talk it is always talked about the separation of slaves that is still ingrained in our system in barbie's daddy's system uh, because in here, like Barbie, the white Barbie comes to life and, um, she kind of is taunting Renetta because at the time she's a child playing with white Barbie, mm-hmm. but, um, Barbie always calls Renetta mommy because she is like the child playing, but also calls the system daddy because, and I, that is like the perfect analogy because it is daddy system. It is coming from a white man that is saying, I am the standard of beauty. That Bar- So that Barbie can say, I am the standard of beauty. I am what's perfect. And you are not. Also, you should be happy because you're, you have some proximity to me. And so that you are against your, so you are different from your best friend, Cristal. Oh, you're also different from men and old men. What was it? Light skin, dark skin, old men, younger men, man and woman. Yeah. And, and and great of hair. Yeah. So these are the things that daddy system, all the way back from slavery, have said, this is what is right. This is what is wrong. We're going to pitch you all together at all times. So now you, Renetta, have an identity crisis that is you cannot get rid of, even though you are teaching your child how to love her blackness, even while she is still fair-skinned, you can't love yourself maybe it would have been fixed if instead of instead of having a white male therapist she had a black female therapist but also at the time where were you gonna find one right so maybe that's a you know i mean i don't know and that whole situation what it brought up for me um going all the way back to like this whole potential sexual encounter um between craig and renetta like y'all in this scene he's like basically just like oh, you know, I want you or you want me or yeah, like both of them are playing this game of you know you still want me and you know I still want you. But then like Renetto says something just like, yes, I know you still love me, Craig. And be like, wait, what? I was just here for a vagina. Wait a second. No, love. And then like they proceed, Renetta proceeds to chase him Around, around the room, the couch, and like is chasing him, and is very much just like, oh, like, take me, want me, let me, oh, and like all this stuff, and I'm just like, like, okay, I say all this to say, and like, 
like Mariah, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I struggled reading this play. I struggled reading this play the way I struggle reading any play or watching a movie, taking in any art. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, why the fuck are we seeing this? And then, like just like you just said, you're like, well, these are conversations that are happening every day. This is stuff that is happening all the time. This is like the way it's played out. Like we're trying, like, you know what I'm saying? And I know that's true, but I always find myself struggling with the, these are the, as I'm going to call them, the, these are the conversations or situations that are happening every day plays or shows or movies or whatever. It always leaves me in a state of being pissed off because I'm just like, yeah, you're right. Black men are treating black women like shit every day. Um, like, what is the purpose of making art like this? Are right. you holding up a mirror? And Because this plays out exactly as you would expect it to play out. Um, and so it's like, are you... Well, actually, no, it doesn't. The end of this play, they actually begin to, like, function somehow in a state of normalcy like you know respectful um like no like human beings that have respect for each other um right but it's just so much it's not the pathway to how they get to that place is not clear is it because of hope is it because of her entrance that the adults stop arguing and having all these petty bullshitty conversations Yes. I don't know. Like, I, like, is it the pre- is it her president that, like, kind of stops everything? Anyway, and getting back to my point, like, what is the purpose of this? Like, Queenie that sis, like, why do we need to see this? It's, it's definitely borderline trauma porn. It really is. Like, I'm tired of it. In the same manner that y'all niggas are saying that, like, we're tired, like, because it's, um, this new, I'm sorry, y'all, we're gonna, I'm, bear with me as I pull over and have, and, and talk about this. There's this new television show that is being produced by Lena Waithe, um, called Them, which, in my personal opinion, seems like a cheap, watered-down response to Jordan Peele's Us. Um, it's a hard black horror series right and the whole premise of this right and the whole premise of this uh series um is that this black family um moves in uh, during like you know the early 1960s is moving into this white neighborhood and it's all about their treat this and this trailer like i feel like it just came out i saw it this week whether it's been out for a while like somebody correct me that's neither here nor there nope it uh, this article I'm reading is from March 22nd, so not too long ago. Right. So, it's still between the episodes. Okay, right. So here it is. You know, the black family moves in, and, you know, drama ensues. The white people are hanging, you know, uh, Sambo dolls on their porch, and, oh, all these horrible things are happening. And so it raises the question that why do is it that black people or 
black people, black stories um, that are written out of the horror genre has to center around fear of white people and self-hatred. And like I saw in the preview, they were trying to give a taste of like, oh, the real purpose of this is that we're going to talk about redlining and we're just wrapping it up in hard. But I guarantee you, I'm not watching that bullshit, but I guarantee you that redlining and that topic of its effect on black Americana is going to be a fucking footnote. And you want to know why I know it's going to be a footnote? Because everyone in the writer's room is white with a dick. Lena. I've got my own problems with Lena Waithe. Like, d- sis. I'm tired. And so it's like, I want to talk to, but like, I want to have these conversations with the Lena Waithe's and the, you know, Yvette's of the world, these black art makers. What are you looking to accomplish by putting our trauma on stage, on film, for the world to see. They're not looking to laugh or learn with us. They are learning new ways to laugh at us. You're Mm -hmm. using our... They're not using it to learn. No, you are giving them more source material to um, beat us over the head with and... um, you know, just fucking give excuse um, to their shitty systematic ways of oppression. Because, like, in the case of Renetta, you know, it's it, it, she falls within that very general scope that white uh, uh, white uh, conservatives um, go straight to, like. Oh, well, she had everything. Renetta had everything. She had access, you know, to all of the privileges. She had the best education. She was able to travel. She spoke different Mm -hmm. languages. She was knowledgeable. She went to the greatest schools. And yet and still, you know, niggas gonna be out here niggering. And she still Mm -hmm. ended up in the projects and a baby mama and, you know, with a pile of beer cans under the table and whatever the fuck else. So it's like... What are you doing, girl? Yes, we know that Renetta exists. We know that Craig exists. We definitely know that Barbara exists. And mm-hmm. and we know that Hope exists. Like, we know that. But what? Like, are you using this trauma as a vehicle to drive home another message or whatever else? This really, and especially, it's the word autobiography that's sitting in the title, that is making right. it, it was hard for me. formerly known as the autobiography. So I'm wondering if there are changes from the original script. I want to believe that this version of the script that we have, it was a work in progress. And that something happened between the script we have access to and production. Because this, this ain't right. it. This is a conversation that should have happened between you and your therapist. This whole play. Yes. I don't know if you're Renetta. I don't know if you're Hope. I don't know, girl. I don't know who you're identifying with. And whoever the Johnny May is in your life, like, I hope that at some point they saw this and dragged the fuck out of you. Can I just talk about the characters like Johnny May? Like, I am so <sighs> tired of those characters. It, it reminds me of the Pamela James from Martin. It, it reminds where it's like, oh... 
yes, ha ha ha, she's the sassy, dark-skinned black friend that is a little woke, but we're also going to talk shit about her. We're also going to put her down. Um, Marlon Waynes has this new show. I, it's really horrible laugh track show. And I, it's called Marlon, and I literally just watch it because it's more appropriate for, like, if somebody hears sound while I'm teaching. Like, I watch it during my lunch break because it's just more appropriate than the shows I'm usually watching. And same type of character where it's, like, the dark-skinned black, the, the dark-skinned friend to the light-skinned woman, and she may be smarter, or she's man-crazy, or she, we get to talk shit about her, we get to put her down. So I'm really interested to see what other plays are in this series that's printed, because is it just for, what kind of leading women are you writing for? Um, are, are you writing for the Yvette, I mean, no. are you writing for you had the, is she writing for you, all these different women who need their stories told, or is she writing for Yvette? Right. It, th- th- that's exactly what it is. So you had it just I'm interested right. To see, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because how this is such a standard and black storytelling that it pretty much could have been written by a white man. It really could have. It reminds me also of this new show, Georgia and Jenny, where it's a white woman that had. Have, have you seen not that show? Wa- not watching it. Not interested. Don't care. I like the the crime part of the show, this like underlying crime part, I'm but it's still this like I it's still this same identity crisis and the same oh um watch out because that's racist and you're light skin and you you don't fit in any of your crowd like how how do we make the real real stories, you know? How do we for me like I am I am a light skinned black woman and this has never these stories have never been my life they have never been my story so I am just I am just a black woman and I have these same struggles as everyone else everybody has different pretty privilege is real those things are real but these stories that are constantly told is never ever ever my story can we I'm because I just I when I read it I was like I don't know if this conversation is going to happen on the podcast or after we're done recording, but I really want to like talk to Mara because I felt like when I was having a reaction to it, I felt like I needed to check myself because I was like, that's you haven't, you, that is not your experience. You have not lived that. So who are you to invalidate or say that there is not a level of, um, you know, truth and, 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 uh, genuine, um, feelings and whatever being expressed here the whole section this con this argument that she has between her and johnny may it very much and i it it i who oh, i wish we could quote this place so much like so much i feel like is gonna get lost because you know due to copywriting um and all the restrictions we have um read the play y'all read the play y'all we let me know week. what y'all it's right there on new play exchange Go read it. Um, but the the basically what they're the premise the 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 base of the argument, y'all, is that you know Vanessa Williams has just won Miss America, right? And um, you know, uh, Crystal she runs into the apartment and she's just like, "Oh my goodness, girl! Like this is so fantastic." 
you know, a black woman, um, why Miss America, you know, her winning, she pretty much was just like, you know, Vanessa Williams winning, like, it's a step in the right direction, but it's not, like, it is not, um, the ultimate, like, it's, it's not the, um, the ultimate goal. Like, it is a step in the right direction, but, um... The fact that a, a black woman like Vanessa Williams, the fact that it was this kind of black woman who won Miss America, like who's just melanated enough to where everyone can see she's black and y'all feel like you're, you know, being radical Repres- revolutionists, yeah. um, uh, but not so melanated that she makes the whites uncomfortable Um and you know, you know, in their seat and their checkbooks and everything else. She's still putting product in that hair. Exactly. And so then Renetta then is just like, well, it doesn't matter. And black is black, and I am a biracial woman. And you know, I'm tired of this. The girls pulled my hair on the playground, and you know, things were hard for me as well. And it just very much red like a white woman or white man being like you know things are hard for white people too you know it's not all we have i didn't have money growing up and we lived in a trailer park and i too had to wear shoes from walmart and look at all the ways i've struggled being white isn't a cure-all for everything it very mm-hmm. much felt like that and it it was just like i thought we had moved past this point in the discussion of colorism of being able to say like yes girl you have your struggles as well as being um you know a person who identifies as as biracial and everything else like yes you have your own struggles and your own journey but don't try to discuss like your trauma as if in some way it is equal to or outranks my trauma. You having your experiences does not, and and, and you, you know, not getting along with the, you know, Shaquishas as she called them, you know, some, it was some kind of stereotypical black name that, you know, the playwright used in the play. Um, You know, the Shaquishas of the world making fun of you and hurting your fifis does not uh, invalidate anything that Crystal is saying. That colorism is still a thing. That you experience certain privileges because of that. And Vanessa Williams becoming Miss America versus someone who looks like Crystal becoming Miss America is only one more reminder that black is okay as long as it's in small palatable doses. doses. It doesn't change any of that. And I thought that we had moved so far past this point of the conversation within the conversation of colorism and for the playwright to address it in this way, it really fucking pissed me off. But I was like, do I even have a right to be pissed off in this way considering the fact that... um, I have not lived that experience or walked even a, a quarter of a mile in those shoes. I haven't even walked out the front door in those shoes. So I was going to talk. I was, I was interested in hearing from you in regards. like, Or straight up telling me, like, Elena, you got it wrong on this one, sis. 
you know, once again, these, Crystal has a, has the right to call out Renetta, you know, it's her friend, and Renetta's got a lot of shit twisted, you know what I'm saying, and she, she doesn't have the reality of looking herself in the mirror and understanding that there is a privilege that you have. I mean, like, Sweetie just came out and was like, yo, pretty privilege is real. And it is. And, but that, but the things that are always portrayed about uh, fair-skinned black women in the media has never been my story. Mine, me personally, the biggest form of, like, pulling pigtails on the playground and and being told that you're not this and that became came from my white male peers and here we are you know like it came from it it came from them being like wow like wow i didn't know they came like you or wow this is not what i was taught in the backwoods that niggers were like you know like that's where that discrimination came from it for me and this I, I mean, it said so much in media, it's got to be true in some people, in most people's stories. So, and I was never taught. And I think, and I think it is because of the fact that like, I was also raised by a dark skinned black woman that made sure that I was very much ingrained in, in, in put morals into me and made sure that I knew who I was made sure that I knew what she was made sure that I knew what struggles that she went through to make sure that I have what I have. So I think that it's that, you know, my mother is not perfect, but she's mine. But it was also very open about the trying to break a generational course to make sure that I was happy and secure. And it was always for me, white men. And that is why I cannot stand white men. It is always like, oh, well, maybe it, it it's the. The situation that Renetta had mm-hmm. with that white man on the ferry, right. that is probably the most mm-hmm. um, comparable to my life. Like, damn, I could bring you home if only you were blonde. Like, damn, you different, huh? And we would have been, and we would have been all right. That is probably the only situation in this story that has happened in my life, and it also was youth and on the playground because who the fuck is dating white men? Um, and most of my friends are, I mean, all my friends are black and they don't have, and I don't know any of them, even my other fair skinned friends that have had that same type of situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, and I don't know if it was just because I was, my mother worked very hard to get me into an environment that it was majority black, but also majority like middle-class black. Um, I don't know, but it was very like, that wasn't me. That wasn't my story. And it's never my story. And so that's why these these stories are exhausting. Like that new Jenny in Georgia, it's exhausting. The only the only thing in that that show, it's on Netflix, y'all. The only thing in that show that I relate to is like going to a slumber party and then a white woman try to put a brush to your hair so that you can have a ponytail like your friends. And next thing you know, you got to run off to the bathroom, put water in your hair because why the fuck would a white woman try to do that to your head? That those are the only things. But like I said, like I wasn't even allowed to touch a white Barbie. (laughs) Well, and, and like, and then it's like, it pissed me off within this play because I was like, here we are once again, somebody perpetuating the narrative that, 
dark-skinned women are jealous of fair-skinned women and fair-skinned women bear the weight of like being hated by one side of their identity and not being accepted by the other side when the truth is this idea um of you know um dark-skinned women versus light-skinned women and like this pitting of them against one another that whole narrative as you just said in my opinion has always come from white men and Mm -hmm. black men because black Mm -hmm. men even as i remember growing up and um you know having fair-skinned friends um having uh you know my friends who i identified um as biracial and having those moments of you know questioning my beauty and like small amounts of self-hatred but it had nothing to do with me wanting what they had or me wanting to look like them because that didn't come from me that came from commentary surrounding them and messaging that I received from the world about Mm -hmm. how the world felt about them versus me it didn't come from my fair skin or biracial identifying friend. It didn't come from anything they did or how they carried themselves. It came from the messaging that I received from media and, you know, fucked up members of my community that me not have me having more melanin than the girl sitting next to me on some level made me inferior. Mm-hmm. And I feel like is the heart of the matter. It was never how dark skin and um and, or, or fair skin women treated each other it is how the world um that we live in systematically divides us and the reasons why they divide us so like exactly. why are you sitting up here perpetuating this white man narrative because even in your own places you say there is a long speech <laughs> You say that it was the it was the lynch letters. It was white men who created this hierarchy and divide between mm-hmm. black folk. But yet here you but are. Yet in the we're continuing the narrative exactly. Saying that there is validity and a leg to stand on within this fucked up narrative. Says one plus one can't equal eighteen. You can't piss on my head and tell me it's raining, girl. You can't. Like, what is Mm. it? Like, where do you stand? So I feel like, because there was so much shit in this play, like, she tried to touch on so many things. It literally felt like someone hurt her feelings. And she just sat down at the computer. She got mad Kermit fingers. Yeah, and just started slapping the keys. And, like, I'm going to talk about all the people who hurt my feelings. Like... And I know this podcast is about illuminating black artists, but I feel like this is a perfect time because um, when I talk to people that I know who listen to this show, like one of the questions I have been asked is like, because, you know, we've went on rants um, 
I have gone on rants on this show about people like Tyler Perry and mm-hmm. people like uh, Kenya Bears and um, people like Lena Waithe. Um, yeah, girl. And so on and so forth. They're just like, well, if your podcast and if, you know, this platform that you and Mara are building is all about the upliftment of black people and, you know, black representation, then aren't you kind of doing the your doing the very thing that you're supposed to be fighting against, like, you're shitting on black artists, and you're shitting no, on black artists. No, we're calling out bullshit. We're holding that you is, accountable. If, yeah, and they're just like, and if you say that black people aren't a monolith, how are you going to say that this art that they're creating isn't true to their life and their life story? Like, that doesn't concern you. Um, I'm allowed to hold you accountable. Here Because that is how we grow. That is how we keep growing. That is how we stay illuminated, is by me saying, hey, this is not working. This story that you're telling, it it does not push forward the culture. It does not push forward the group of people that you are supposed to be representing. Unless you are, you know, a Renetta and you don't really care about pushing us forward. Especially you know considering the fact that you want to know why black Americans are such a monolith. And, and you want to know why we say that. It's not just to say, like, don't lump us all in one group and think that we all believe in and... Uh, share the same experiences and things. I feel like that statement is important, especially to the conversation about shitty art by black artists, because I think that people also forget that a lot of our perspective, black people's perspectives and worldviews and POVs are shaped by trauma and oppression. Right. So, yeah, maybe Yvette did write a true-to-life representation of her experience, but I feel like it is my job as her, another Black person in this artistic community, or just another Black person, period, to be like, hey, girl, hey, girl, I, I see what you're saying. I know you've been hurt. First of all, let's acknowledge you're hurt. I know you have been hurt. I know that you have felt mistreated, overlooked, unseen, and unheard. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. But this art that you're making is riddled with even the way that you are seeing yourself. I need you to stand in this acknowledgement that your worldview is skewed because of the trauma in your DNA, sis. You are writing and making this art, literally regurgitating the very thoughts and feelings of the oppressor because of the impact of the trauma of the, um, you know, instilled in us by the colonizer, sis. You are very much pouring extra sugar in the Kool-Aid so that we all can get diabetes, sis. You're serving it up at the cookout so that we can all walk away with diabetes and gout. Right. You're throwing of extra lard in the baked beans, girl, so that we can all lose a toe at the cookout. Mm-hmm. You're not adding anything of value. You're not showing up with the salad to making sure we're all getting our nutrients. The water. You're not showing up with the water that we need to keep our skin glowing and clear, sis. You're showing up with the with the chitlins and the scraps that were left to you after Massa and them had their Christmas dinner and gave what was left food that was not even fit for a dog to the slaves that we added salt and lard and 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 crisco to to make it taste like something 
that has a whole race of people dealing with heart disease and all other kinds. You're you're adding to the poison that's making us sick, sis. Right. Tyler, Kenya, Yvette, Lena. Make us better. You're adding to the poison, sis. And, and you're and you're 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 flavoring it with Lowry's to make it feel like it's okay. I'm gonna continue to cut to we can you know we're gonna continue to discuss this play, but I just want to take a moment to just be like this. If for no other reason to than to discuss how we need to think twice about the art that we're making as black people, the art that we are expecting, are hoping our community is gonna consume. Let's just take stop. Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment and think. Are you really adding something of value to the conversation? Right. Are we really, are you saying the same thing? Are you perpetuating the same narrative? Or are you actively working towards making us better? And I feel like that is what art, that's the art that we need right now. We need art that is actively working to make us better. We also need art that is actively teaching like especially in film and television we need art that is actively teaching our stories so that without the trauma you know what i'm saying because now you're putting actors through this unnecessary trauma to tell this story that has been told time and time again it's not even anything new it's not anything creative you use the same standard once again how do you keep those actors safe like I'm, i was looking at the article you did i mean the article about them how do you how are you keeping those actors safe and whole and happy while they are once again doing showing trauma reliving trauma i guarantee you just looking at that writer's room, if there's an intimacy director at all, the intimacy director is white, or worse, white and female. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. White, cisgender, female. A white and liberal. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes. And liberal. <laughs> they ate cornbread at, you know, their next-door neighbor Shaniqua's house one time, so they are all about commiserating with the blacks. They 100% feel our struggle because their Shaniqua over that plate of cornbread shared with her how Tyrone just won't pick the kids up. <laughs> so, mm. she, so she knows black struggle. She ready. Understands. She is ready thoroughly for her allyship. Um, she's ready. She's equipped. She read white fragility and she watched uh 13. Oh, absolutely. And so she knows all about it. Oh, Absolutely. Well, that was this play, y'all. It's a mess. Is I, Renetta's an alcoholic. Clearly, she doesn't know how to deal with her trauma. Um, it is a very clear sign, also, why we need black therapists because white therapists will do nothing but sit there and pretend to listen and waste your time and your money and your efforts. Um, what other lessons? Um, really, if you're raising girls, is hard. Raising raising a young black girl is difficult. And I think, and and I think that it also shows that it can be done even when you haven't done the work on yourself. But it is easier and it is more beneficial to your child when you do the work on yourself before trying to shape them into Say a human. Say it again for the people in the back. So, y'all, just really think about 
not just yourself, especially an artist. Think about not just yourself, but how is the work you're putting out? Yes, it's going to be read for by our age group, but it's pen to paper. You know what I'm saying? So how is that going to read for the next generation and the generation to come? If you want your artwork to continue to stay relevant, how do you tell stories that can continue to stay relevant? Why? Are, let's not beat a dead horse. Let's push us forward. And I, this is obviously my closing the hymnal, but I feel like as playwrights, we've got to make sure that we are telling unique stories that are constantly uh that can stand the test of time and really have a purpose not the purpose of I'm angry not the purpose of telling the same story what is the real seed of the need you know that's all I got and I just I'm sick of looking at shit like this yeah I am there he go there Let that be the place that you work out your issues. Your art ain't the place for that. Because if we are all coming from this place of we rooting for everybody black, like, you know that we... How does that even make it enjoyable for the audience that's sitting there and has to watch this? Keep in mind, like, you are a black person putting something out in the world. Like, we show up, we support. It's the reason that we root for the the black person on Wheel of Fortune. We don't know shit about them. We just know they black and have an opportunity to come up and better themselves. So we're gonna consume their art. That's just how we do. And think... (laughs) about what you're about to put out, serve up to your people to consume, just take a moment. Mm. Think outside of yourself. And I know that's frustrating because it's very clear from the white art that's out here that white people, more often than not, don't do that. They make their shitty people. Right, they take they the make easy their route. Shitty, but guess what? That's a part of their white privilege. That's a privilege that you don't have. Oh, I'm so fucking sick of art. Like, of, of we this gotta shit. do better. I'm so sick of it. I'm so tired. Elena, quickly answer the question because I have a quick Okay, answer. I'm so sorry. Um, so here we are, girl. Um, you're going to get this check um, for your uh, uh, kinship to the autobiography of a homegirl dropped somewhere in the toy box where all my dolls are kept. Um... A new American play. You're a part of it. In what way will you be contributing um, yourself, your artistry, to this here play? Thanks, but no thanks. Here we are. Thanks, but no thanks. We can leave that right there. Let's move on. You haven't dinged all day, the whole all day, the whole episode. You can push us on. Ding, ding, ding. Woo! All right, y'all. So here we are. It's the last segment of the show, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I could definitely use a moment of upliftment. Um, we have uh, letters to a young queen, um, where we write letters and or monologues to our past or future selves. Um, last week on the last episode, um, we were mourning the one-year anniversary um, of the Broadway shutdown, um, and therefore the shutdown of stage life live theater in general um so we didn't get around to um to uh sharing our letters mm-hmm. or monologues uh about two episodes ago um 
Mar- I, I gave Mariah a topic for her letter monologue that I'm going to be quite honest in saying that I don't remember what it was. Yes, so Elena gave me the project of writing about writing a letter to myself or a monologue to myself of what it was like to be a woman. And so I wrote a letter to myself. It just is something that I I feel like I always struggle with, right? Like I feel that I am very much a lady, but also I have always grown up as a tomboy. I have always um see myself as being able to kind of be one of the homies as well as prim and proper when needed so sometimes I feel like I'm exerting masculine energy when I am still lady I'm still feminine I'm so wonderful so here it goes dear you look at yourself in the mirror look at your smile your cheeks your eyes your nose your hair Look at all the things that make you you. Look at your skin, your ears, the way that your eyes sparkle. Now take a step back. Look at your shoulders, your collar, everything that moves when you breathe, that keeps you alive. Take a step back further. Look at your breasts, your shoulders, the way that you move, the curve of your body as it moves down your waist. You our woman take another step back from that mirror and look at your hips and your thighs and the way that it swishes as you move from left to right you are woman take a step back further look at the way that your body starts from head to knee a full-figured woman that can be valued appreciated loved Now take a step back further. See yourself from head to toe. That is who you are. That is who you're meant to be. You are worthy of everything that has come your way and everything that will continue to come your way from head all the way to toe. You are woman. You are perfect. You are worthy. Appreciate yourself. Love yourself. Every piece of you is made just for you. All my love. You. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, sometimes it really, especially lately this past year, it has been sucky to look in the mirror. Like, sucky. Like, I don't, I've been avoiding it. And I just it's those moments of taking in and really appreciating yourself and i have to remind myself to do that that's all ding 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 okay y'all we are at the end of the show thank you so much for being here we are so happy that you've called we elena and i are working on continuing ghostlight illuminating black artists and we want to hear from you so we have a survey coming out Please fill out this survey. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what's working, what's not working. Are we just out here talking into a void or do you actually like hearing what we have to say? We need to know so that we can continue to make the show better, make tweaks if you want it, and make it all around a fantastic show. You know, spoiler alert, um, as of this episode, there are only four episodes left um, in season one of Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artists. Um, 
right? And, you know, that will mean that there will be 27 episodes um, of this show, which will bring us, you know, a year to date from um, when we created this show. And um, while we love uh, cutting up with y'all, um, in the spirit of what we just discussed, Black, because even this show is a work of art, right? Um, right. Uh, it, it, we are putting our thoughts, our feelings, our the way, our point of views um, into the world by way of this podcast. Um, and we want to make sure that we are contributing to the conversation and being of service to our community, that we are bringing something to the cookout that is a value that is not only going to keep y'all fed, but keep y'all nourished. So, like, if our potato salad don't taste good, then tell us. And, like, we want to hear the the real, tell us what's up. Tell us what's up. So... Uh, yeah, the link to the survey can be found in the description of this episode, and it will also find it um, a link to it on our IG page. Speaking of our IG page and ways to keep up with the show, because we're wrapping this girl right on up. Mariah, where can they find you? They can find me at Mariah.Williams or Mariah underscore Williams. Try both of them. There's not many ple- people named Mariah. And where can they find you? Find me on all platforms at It's Elena Walton, I-T-S-E-L-A-I-N-A-W-A-L-T-O to the N. Um, One more. This is also your bi-weekly reminder to not try to find me on Facebook. I don't know you. That's right. But you can find Ghostlight on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ghostlight Podcast. You can find, keep up with the show on Instagram at Ghostlight underscore podcast. Um, If you, after you take the survey, you have more thoughts you want to share, you can uh, write to us, um, ghostlight.scripts at gmail.com. Mara, what do you want me to write about next week? I want you to write about hmm. <laughs> I want you to write to pick a moment, any moment in your t- in your time of life that you were just like crazy happy. Nothing nothing mattered except for that moment. That moment could be anything wherever it doesn't have to be an activity it could just be a moment where you are just fully content and happy and right about that moment oh that's gonna yeah that's it see y'all in two weeks peace